Right, I'm not sure whose awful music that was anyway. Um, Gull, fueling your mission all year round, bringing you this show, Mark Watson. I'm not sure. What, 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 what was the music? What is, what is the music? It's called Vampires yep. by Jukes. You okay. can blame your protege for that one, old Sammy Hewitt. Are they good? Yeah. Did, do you not like this tune, Watto? I don't know. I'm a bit old school. I think I, I need to broaden my horizons a little bit. Hey, I'm usually normally sort of used to coming in with just some sort of classic rock. Yeah, and there's some Pearl Jam on the way There is you. some Pearl Jam. We like yes. Pearl Jam. We do yes. like our Pearl Jam. You well? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Been for a swim? Uh, no, what did I do today? No, I haven't done anything today. I had to shoot out to my little house in Muriwai. Um, do a little piece for Television New Zealand, actually. Um, so we've just been white-stickered, so we're allowed back in. Fantastic but, news. Yeah, it's sort of... It isn't, it isn't. Yes, Definitely. Considering um, circumstance as well. Well, you're sort of in, but a lot of people around you aren't. And I say this, you move back into your house, but you don't feel like you've moved back into your home because Muriwai is very much around a community. So, yeah, sort of um, mixed feelings around the whole thing. It's been a very, very t- difficult time out at the West Coast Beach. Anyway, we're here to talk sport. Telephone number this hour is 0800 150 811. Um, I was got a couple of things that I do want to talk about, but I was just rolling through different websites as you do, and I just came across the article on stuff regarding the Chiefs this weekend who take on the Melbourne Rebels. Four All Blacks are being rested. I'm just over this. It also includes Damien McKenzie, who wasn't an All Black last year. But Sam Kane, Brad Weber, Brodie Retallick and Damien McKenzie have been rested. Crusaders did a similar thing last week against the Fiji and Drua, and we know how that played out. We as fans tune in because we want to watch the best players play. When is New Zealand rugby going to actually realise that it's not just about the All Blacks? That putting all your eggs in one basket once every four years is detrimental to the game? I'm sick and tired of being told how hard the rugby players do it, how tough it is, and how and why we have to wrap them in cotton wool constantly. Please, somebody jump on the phone and tell me how resting our All Blacks helped us last year against Ireland. Helped us against Australia, South Africa. The year before that, how it helped us in 2019 when we lost a semi-final to England at the World Cup. Have they not realised that crowd numbers are down Television viewers viewing is down. It's no longer a default setting to watch the rugby. It's no longer compulsory viewing. I can't think of another league anywhere in the world where your best players are rested. Some of these guys are getting paid up to a million dollars a year. And they're tired. Never heard so much rubbish in my life. Not good enough. There's a part of me that hopes the Chiefs lose this weekend because of it. You as fans, don't bother tuning in. New Zealand rugby, they don't respect you enough. They want you to pay, but they want to give you an inferior product. 0800 150811 is the number. Love to get your thoughts. Feel free, phone me. Tell me I'm wrong. It seems to be a bit of a bugbear of mine. I seem to go on this a lot. But every week I tune in to different websites to find out who's going to start, 
for these super franchises and every week there seems to be All Blacks resting. I mean, you look at the Highlanders. Ethan de Groot finally gets to come back. Aaron Smith finally gets to come back. They're not good enough to have their All Blacks missing key games. We've got so many sports now that kids can choose to play. We've got so much sport on TV that we can watch. We've got less and less time. So we start narrowing our options down to what is going to give us the greatest level of satisfaction. Rugby are just so arrogant, they think it's always going to be them. Super Rugby kicks off. You make sure for the first four or five weeks you've got your best players on the field from day one. You don't take games and have a round in Melbourne and try and somehow believe that you're going to make Melbourne a rugby city when it's never going to happen. Who are these clowns that are employed that make these decisions? You know, I go through the boards of New Zealand rugby. I go through board members of certain organisations. I look at CEOs. I look at their CVs. And I think, how do you guys get these jobs? How have you got where you've got when you can't just see the obvious, when you're so removed from the average public see? Anyway, 0800 150 is the number. Look, I haven't had a real opportunity to be on air for a while. New Zealand cricket have just pulled off two of the greatest test match, vic- test match victories in history. Once-in-a-lifetime type tests. The second test against England. Even the English said it was one of the greatest test matches ever played. And then this last ball victory against Sri Lanka. In my lifetime, there have been the odd occasion where sport has been that thrilling. And I was lucky enough to be able to watch it because it was on free-to-wear television. It was on an easily accessible platform. America's Cup, the Olympic Games, Hadley taking nine for 53 in 1985, even the underarm incident, Lance Ken's hitting six sixes. They were iconic moments that people were talking about the next day. People were talking about a week later. People are talking about now, 30, 40 years on. How many people in 20 or 30 years are going to be talking about the famous test win over Sri Lanka and the famous test win over England? Not many. To quote Scribe, if any. There would have been probably more people in the ground watching those cricket matches than they were probably watching it on Spark. Those running New Zealand cricket should be ashamed of themselves. They sold out a quick cash grab on a new platform that nobody was going to subscribe to. Not realising that the intangible damage they would do in doing so. Oh, we got an extra $5 million, $5 million more than perhaps what Sky were offering. Yeah, but you lost 80% of your audience. Kids should be walking around pretending to be Kane Williamson, mimicking Kane Williamson the next day after both those tests. Playing numbers should have suddenly just, interest in the game should have shut up overnight. I went to different cafes the following morning off the back of both those tests with an eclectic group of people and no one was talking about the cricket because no one had watched it. 
isn't that sad? Do we need to have government legislation in this country that makes those big sporting events like our New Zealand cricket team, like our rugby team, like the league team, like the netball, where it's free to wear, which everyone has access to? Because I'll argue if those two test matches had been on television New Zealand, the last hour of both those tests would have had a million plus audience. I mean, a lot of our cricketers walk down the street, I wouldn't even know what they look like because I've been so out of touch because I'm just not prepared to pay for a second online platform to watch my sport. Again, go through the board of New Zealand cricket. Go and have a look at the executive. They'll all tell you how great they are. They'll all tell you how much business acumen they've got. Yet, how do they get this so wrong? And do you think that we should know what those numbers are? Spark come out and say, oh, it's commercially sensitive. Well, hang on a minute. You're no longer in business. You've got nothing to lose now. The reason they're not telling us is because they know it's an absolute disaster. New Zealand cricket will be sitting there going, please let June 1st come around so we can go to TVNZ so we can get a broader audience. When they decided to take the Spark deal and it was clearly more money than perhaps what Sky was offering... Did they ever sit down and think, mm, we're going to lose 80% of our audience? Yeah, but we're going to make $5 million more. Yeah, but hang on a minute. When we have to renew our sponsorship with a- ANZ, we're going to go back to them and ANZ are going to go, hang on a minute, we lost 80% of our audience. We're only going to pay you 80%, 80% less than what we paid for the previous four years of sponsorship. It comes back and bites you in other areas. If you want to comment on that, 0800... One five zero eight double one. Should we have legislation which allows major sport free to wear? And should David White, CEO of New Zealand Cricket, resign because of this complete and utter appalling decision a few years ago to go with Spark and therefore preventing a lot of people from actually watching our game? Hi, Cliff. Afternoon, Mark. You're a real, you're a realist, you know, and there's so few about. I, I look back to the 1987 uh, test we played Australia in Perth, and Hadley tried to get Mike Whitney in the last over. It was the MCG. It was, it was a boxing, yeah, boxing Day Test MCG. Yep, Mike Whitney. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and I think of those test matches that were great because people knew about them. I I was I was at the basin. Uh, the day we we beat England, uh, England should never have lost that game. You know they blew it. They were 150 partnership they'd put on, Root and, and Stokes out there, and they threw it all away. But you know we battled and we battled and we they gave us a chance and we took it. It's the same against Sri Lanka. But I've I've been calling for David White's head for, for a long time. He signed us up for some crazy deals. We didn't play Australia for years. And we in future tours, it was hopeless. Then they sent us away to Australia with no lead-up games. They made us play a pink ball test the first game. You know, you can't go to Australia unless you get yourself organised. And we've never been organised. And we we had a good side. You know, this the sign in that deal with Spark was a joke. I, I've never taken Spark on because I knew it wasn't going to be a platform that was worthy, you know... It, it's so fuzzy. It's drops and changes and 
you know, it, and I didn't think it was going to last long. And, and at the end of the day, it didn't. Now we've gone back to TV One, uh, bits and pieces. It, it'll have ads in it, which is a shame. You know, you'll go to a big ad break and we'll end up missing the first ball possibly of the next over. You know, but, oh, they, they really dropped me in New Zealand cricket the way they've been doing stuff in the last few years. I just feel that the boards of both rugby and cricket are very, very wokey. They've got no passion. There's very few people of rugby or cricket knowledge or background in them. They, they seem to have... I spoke to a guy who was working for one of the major companies that, and he got kicked out of, of working on the sideline at rugby because they had to put more women involved. Things like this. This is where it's going. You know, people that have got passion. I'd, the, when Smithy came on the other day and said that he signed for another three years contract, I thought, wow, this is good because there's very few of you and Smithy's left in broadcasting. A lot of the guys nowadays are, are there from other areas. They've got no background. You know, I'm not knocking them for, for, for being out there and doing it, but... You've got to have passion, and, and there's no passion in, yeah, in some. Yeah, look, I, I've look. My my thing is, you know, I've never done anything in this game for money or for, I don't know, even you know, when you're working on the, the ZBs and some of those high profile profile shows, it was never about trying to be anything other than just a pure passion. And you're right, you've got to have passion. But look, in regards to whether it should be women, whether it should be different ethnic groups, I don't care as long as they're the best people. I think that's more the point, as long as they're the best people. And you do start to question in this political environment whether it is a case of virtue signalling. It is a bit of a box-ticking exercise over actually having the best people in place. Look, I don't think that... I think now, you know, cricket, rugby and sport in this country used to be owned by the fans. English Premier League football is owned by the fans. It's not the case here in New Zealand now. It's owned by the players and it's owned by an administration who only care about the bottom line. They're not actually interested in anything else. It's all about the bottom line. Uh, they don't factor in the intangibles, growth, um, how many sets of eyes are watching the thing. It's all about bottom line, and that's disappointing. The only people that seem to, you know, as crowd numbers, it's interesting, isn't it? As crowd numbers drop off, viewing numbers drop off, player salaries seem to be increasing. It's a model that's not sustainable. Lovely to have you on the program. Thank you, uh, Cliff. Hi, Joey. Yeah, good day, Wado. Yeah, look, uh, just about the, the rugby and the guys having um about about their rest or whatever. You know, it's they get you know they get paid to do a job, and and like you say, you know, people people that pay money to go watch them want to go watch the best. You know, you don't have Manchester United stays in Rashford, or you're having you're having four weeks off because um, we're just going to give you a rest. You know, if they're going to go like that, I mean, I was talking to your producer and I said, you and Wado need to have a have a rest. You know, if you work four days. You know, it's too much, mm. you know. It's just a load of crap, mate. You know what I mean? If, if, you, if you're an all-black or you're going to play professional rugby, you should be wanting to play. And like you say, if you ask those players, most of them would say, oh, they don't want to rest. If you want to have a rest, you can go up to the coach on the quiet and say, look, I've had seven or eight games in a row. Um, I feel as though, I'm, 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 you know, the game's not as good as what it was six, six games ago. How about giving me, you know, just a week off or whatever? You don't have to, but, you know, let, let Mark Watto play, you know, or whatever. But they don't do that. You know, they've got to give these All Blacks, oh, we've got to give them um, a, a four, a, a three games off. 
what a load of crap. And that's where it comes from the top. That's why, you know, not not being mean, but, but Mark Robinson wouldn't get a job. If I was a, if he comes in a firm that I, I owned or whatever as a CEO, he wouldn't get a look in. Because you, 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 you've got to be practical about stuff. People want to go watch the best. That's what you pay your money yeah. for, mate. And that's what they're getting paid for. I mean, they have a break. You know, okay, a lot of players, you go on that All Black tour, they only play for like two out of four games. They're not even playing a full 80 minutes. They come back in December. They have all of December off. They have most of January off. They don't start till late in February. You know and I know that by the time the season goes, they're always going to pick up an injury anyway. So they're going to have a break just out of, just by default. Good coaches are often going to rest a player anyway against a lesser side. But let the players decide. This black blanket approach, hey, everybody needs a rest. This is going to be good for everyone. Rubbish. The best two players of the All Blacks in 2011 were Jerome Kano and was Kevin Mialamu. Both played entire domestic seasons. And I think Jerome Kano may have only missed seven minutes that entire tournament. So someone show me where the data is that supports the theory of rest and rotation. Do they not care about the domestic game? I mean, club rugby's gone. Mighty 10 Cup rugby's gone. We're left now to Super Rugby. And then we suddenly turn around going, where's all of our depth? Where are our backup locks? We seem to be short in positions for the first time in our history. Wonder why. That's what happens when you erode the grassroots. I totally agree with you, mate. And, you know, like I've always said, this sabbatical and that, they never come back. They, they, not one player that has had a sabbatical comes back and gets into the All Blacks and plays as well as he did before he had a sabbatical. Oh, oh no, look, it's, 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 it's just a PowerPoint presentation. It's just absolute crap. It looks good on a PowerPoint presentation, you know, and all these sports scientists. All I'll say about that is, mate, the scientists, you know, scientists once told us the earth was flat. 22 minutes after 12. Telephone numbers 0800 Joey, lovely to have you on the programme. Keep listening, mate. You're clearly a good man. The fact that you like me, you're clearly a very, very good-looking man as well in a very platonic way. Yeah, Mark Watson in for Mark Stafford. Telephone number is 0800 You can text us here on the temper, what is it, the temper, the temper text machine, the temper post text machine. There you go. And we do encourage people when you hear advertisements here on SENZ, if those brands are involved in any purchasing decision going forward, please go with the brands that support the station. They keep us on air. Coming up after one o'clock, Peter Lester, yachting commentator, will join us on the programme. We've got Sail GP making its debut in New Zealand in Christchurch. It's going to be sailed in Littleton Harbour. Peter grew up in Littleton. That's where he learned to sail boats. How difficult, how tricky. So we'll talk to Pete after one. Uh, but let's go to the phones. Hi, Brent. Hi, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for waiting. Okay. Ex Linwood Rugby, but live in Brisbane. Good on you, boy. Okay. Mate, where do you start? Where do you start with Mark, Mark Robinson, you know, the, the leader of New Zealand rugby? All right? Like, they don't make the tough decisions. Like, in, they, they, they anoint their successor in 2011 World Cup and they appoint Hanson. Yeah, it worked. And then they anoint. He goes again in 2015, right? And then 2019, even for Steve Hansen, who's part of the losing campaign, what do they do? Appoint the assistant coach for 2020 and beyond. Like, when everyone knows that he wasn't the right person for the job, you know, and then, and then they get the chance to, okay, we have him for two years. Let's wait and see how he goes. He was going very ordinary. And what they do? Extend his contract before... The two years is up, and then we go to the Northern Door and we get hammered by France, hammered by Ireland, 
Don't disagree. I mean, if it was in the English Premier League, these guys would have been sacked a long time ago. Um, it's too much for an old boys network. You know, they're, they're, I think whatever happens, they should appoint Scott Robertson as the next coach. Now, not everyone agree with it, but I think he deserves his time. I think he's been a loyal servant to New Zealand rugby, but you just get the sneaking feeling, Brent, that he probably won't get that job. For some reason, he'll end up not getting that job, and it's because he doesn't fit that New Zealand rugby mould. He's not conservative enough. He doesn't speak eloquently enough. He's a little bit too out there, and that's what frustrates me. And then I'm sure that they'll probably still have the Steve Hansons in the background probably pushing their agendas. That's just my opinion. And it's incredibly frustrating. And that's just at a coaching level. Then you've only got to go and have a look at this rest and rotation policy. You've only got to have a look at the demise of the other forms of rugby I've mentioned. And really, it's not just about Ian Foster being let go. It's actually about, I reckon, the executive of New Zealand rugby. And we've got to do greater due diligence. We've got to have people on the board who are not just there to tick boxes, who are actually prepared to put their hand up, who are actually prepared to take one on the chin, who actually have a little bit of vision, and we just lack vision. All we're interested in in this country now is the All Blacks in the bottom line. It's not a sustainable model. And Mark, can I say one more thing? Please. Um, a little bit of a different opinion there on one thing. I actually think that Scott Robinson's already got the job. Right? I'll tell you why. Okay, you know... That test match when we got beaten in South Africa got beaten quite badly. And then before the second test at Joburg at Alice Park, Mark Robinson made a huge media announcement and said there's going to be a major announcement on the Sunday after the match. Right? And I actually believe that he had already approached Scott Robinson. He's already said yes. Okay? So then we played that second test, and I don't know how we won it after we played it in the first test. And all of a sudden, you know, the players got by behind um, Foster and then Schmidt through his two Bobsworth in as well and all of a sudden Mark Robinson was in a terrible position because he'd already I reckon he's already agreed to terms and I actually heard a lot of New Zealand sports journalists were so flabbergasted when they realised that he got extended for two more years because they believed the deal was already done with Robertson so that's why I reckon Robertson has been a bit cheeky in the media saying no they're going to announce it sooner or later. He said to him, look, you told me I had the job. Yeah, I think, though, Brent, maybe for the fact he has come out and spoken out of term, might have just gone back against him. Tell you what, though, there will be a civil war if he misses out on that job. Brent, lovely to have you listening from Brisbane, mate. Enjoyed your call. Thank you. number of texts that have come on on the temper bed pest, uh, temper bed pest, temper post text machine. I'm struggling to get it out. If I was in the middle of the wicket at the moment, I'd be struggling to see the new ball. I'd be swinging and missing. I might even be back in the pavilion. Anyway, hopefully I'll get more eloquent as the afternoon goes on. Um, <laughs> 0800 150811 is the number. First time today. Wow. First time today that we've got spare lines. If you do want to phone through, I know a lot of people have been trying. Text us here again on 8833. Good looking man with a velvet voice. John with all the news.
25 minutes away from one o'clock, I better address the texts that have come in on the temper bedpost text machine. Mark, Tom Walsh will be hating this. His ego, arrogance will be hurting when he has always thought he is the best. Funny how sponsors have not jumped on board with him. Well, I dealt with Tom. I find him very pleasant. I was lucky enough to call his bronze medal in 2016 at the Olympics, but you are entitled to your opinion. All I'll say, having Jack O'Gill in the background, you want competition. I always say this, to stay number one, train as if you're number two. You don't have Pete Sampras without Andre Agassi. And more texts that have come in. Free to wear. They can't afford to pay the players' demands. So we're just talking about free to wear television, whether or not we should have some sort of legislation so that we don't have the debacle we've had with the previous two cricket tests. Two of the greatest finishes, two of the greatest tests in history. No one watched them because they're on a platform that no one was prepared to pay for. Um, a platform where I'd argue the quality at times is below par. Another text, I agree, All Blacks having to rest. Most of them only play half a game now. I think the Irish play about 30 games a year before they play for Ireland. They didn't look like they were tired. Yet well said. Hi Mark, hope you're well. Thank God someone has said this. Agree so much with the cricket. New Zealand cricket also lost out with radio rights too. We have lost touch with the actual team here in New Zealand. What I will say about that is, I'll be honest with you, growing up in the 1980s, you had the likes of the Coneys and the John Wrights and the Bruce Edgars and all these different players. You knew exactly what they all looked like. They were household names. Their faces were everywhere. I'll be honest right now. I couldn't tell you if I walked down the street what Tom Blundell looks like. I couldn't tell you what Michael Bracewell looks like. I might might be able to recognise Devin Conway, but not automatically. Matt Henry, maybe. Uh, certainly, you know, Blair Tickner wouldn't know what he looks like. My point being is because nobody's watching them. They just don't, they're not given the exposure on that platform. Nothing to do with Spark good on them for coming in and buying it, believing that it was in the best interest of their business going forward. But for New Zealand cricket to somehow honestly think that money in the short term was greater gain than losing 80% of audience is absolutely, completely and utterly nuts. 0800-150-811 is the number. You can text us here on double eight double three. Spear lines. We'll take a break. Okay, the quality control, the quality control has just got a lot better. Okay, we've got the Pearl Jam. Got a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, Peter Lester on the program after two o'clock, uh, after one o'clock to talk about the Sale GP, which is taking place in Christchurch on Saturday and Sunday. This new um, sailing event, I'm not convinced on it. I think it's a bit manufactured, but it seems to resonate with a lot of people. And I think it keeps our interest in the America's Cup going in between cups. Peter grew up in Littleton. It's not an easy place to sail. So what are some of the challenges that the crews will face in this part of the world in Christchurch? Hayden Sherman, athletics commentator. Commentator last night for the Sir Graham Douglas Classic at Waitakere Stadium will also join us on the programme to review last night's track and field performances. Zoe Hobbs again running very close to breaking sub-11 seconds, running 11.03. It was 
We saw good performances again from Jack O'Gill beating Tom Walsh. Lovely little rivalry finally, genuinely beginning to develop. We can talk motorsport between two and three. Some big news coming too. David Turner in studio. Big focus on Indy cars and the New Zealand influence. And we've got a special announcement that we will announce after two o'clock regarding that. You can text us here on the Temper Bedpost text machine on 8833. You can phone the program at 0800 150811. Uh, if you have just joined us, I see today the Chiefs have rested four All Blacks for this clash against the Rebels. I am just so over All Blacks being rested. Bring out the damn violins for them. Life is just so tough for our All Blacks and our rugby players. No one does it harder. Our Ironman triathletes don't do it harder. Our rowers don't do it harder. Our swimmers don't do it harder. Well, actually, all three of them do it way harder and get paid basically nothing for doing it. You never hear them moaning. You never hear them complaining. Isn't it funny how in this country the most resource sports are the ones that cry the loudest about how tough it is, how we should be getting paid more? I mean, it's absolute and utter nonsense. Just trying to find another league anywhere in the world, any sport where the best players don't play. I don't blame people not turning up. Why turn up if you're not going to get the best product? I would buy into it. Well, I probably wouldn't. But if you're going to continue to sell it as giving out the All Blacks the best chance of winning the World Cup, show me the evidence that this works because I haven't seen it yet. 0800 is the number. Chiefs fans, how are you feeling? Sam Kane, Damien McKenzie, not going to be playing this week. Brody Retallick, Brad Webber. What team next week? Crusaders did it last week and they got the banana skin game and got beaten by the Fiji and Drua. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Uh New Zealand cricket. Time for David White to stand down. Some fresh thinking, maybe the board. Whose decision was it to put cricket on the Spark platform? No one's watching it. We've had two of the greatest test matches in history. And it appears that very few people actually got to see it. The games were so good. If they were on TVNZ, or even on Sky, well, TVNZ you would have had a million plus people watching the last hour of those two tests. You would have had people the next day, young kids mimicking Kane Williamson, wanting to be Kane Williamson, like kids mimicked. Lance Keynes when he hit six sixes back in the early 1980s or when Martin Crowe had a wonderful Test 100 or Richard Hadley would come in with a little stutter run in the run-up. When are sports organisations going to realise that sometimes it's not just about the money? There are intangibles that you need to factor in. These two tests should be talked about like some of the great sporting occasions that happened 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, but they're not going to be. It might just be the first time in history there were more people in the ground watching a test match than we're actually watching it on TV. If you want to have your say, 0800-150-811. Just out of curiosity too, um, women's alpaki super rugby, no one's watching it. No one is going, no one is watching it. The stadiums are empty. Why not? Why are you not going to watch it? Is it perhaps the product's not that good? Are we allowed to say that? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Amit, good afternoon. 
Hey, good day, Wado. How are you? <laughs> good, thank you. Um, just wanted to yeah, echo what you're sort of saying with the All Blacks rest and rotation policy. Um, I'm not a Highlanders fan. I support the Crusaders, uh, even though I live in Auckland. But um, I was quite pissed off with uh, what happened last week where Billy Harmon was told to have to, have to rest um, because he went on the... No, well, not not part of the All Blacks end of year tour, but he was uh, part of the All Blacks fifteen, I think. So, and then to hear their coach say just that the media have got to talk to the All Black coaches about that is yeah, but why? But why? Why are the All Black coaches influencing Super Rugby? Why? I mean, we've got coaches whose careers depend on results, and yet they're not in complete control of the teams they pick and put out on the park. It's a wrong model. It's BS. You cannot have a blanket approach for every single player. Yep, no, totally agree with that. And um, like I said, as a non-Highlanders fan, just to hear that and looking at where that team is right now, um, geez, they could have done with Billy Harmon last week against the Chiefs. Oh, look, absolutely they could have. And it's it's only going to get worse. There's, you know, my yep. point is, let these guys play. There will be a natural attrition rate anyway. They'll be forced to have a couple of weeks on the sideline. It's, it's, you know, this is exactly why when an all-black coach is not doing well, they should be sacked because if they've got this level of control and they've got this level of resource, then there should be no excuses. But is this coming from the all-black coaches, though, or is it coming from higher up? Because it's been going on for, well, since 2007, right? Yeah, and it didn't work in 2007, didn't work in 2019. Yeah. Look, I think it's too many people in the background. I think sports science is having too much of a part in it. And... I think the all-black coaches, it's all about them, and, and it's wrong. You know, let's just let Super Rugby play. When the season's done, pick your team based on where the cards land and the chips fall. And if six of your marquee all-blacks are injured, well, hey, so be it, because that's pretty much how the Northern Hemisphere play it. But what will you also do by not dropping your players and by having a strong competition, you'll actually create depth. So those players that do get injured, you at least have players then you can bring into a side. No, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah, no, I just just thought I'd share my views on that as well. Um, let's hope the Crusaders get the job done over the Blues this weekend. Yeah, some lovely little matchups to look forward to. It should be an absolute classic. Yep, cool. Cheers, Wado. Right, lo- lovely to have you on the programme. Just running through that Blues 2 team. Man over at Boy, Alex Hodgman at 1. Ricky Riccatelli at 2. So at Hooker, James Lay in the front row. Tucker and Suafar a little bit light, aren't we, at lock. Adrian Choate. Starting at six, Dalton Papalihi at seven, Hoskins Satudu at eight. Interesting to see how Hoskins Satudu plays this weekend. Look good in the loose against the Hurricanes. Does he have the ability to get across the advantage line and be dynamic if the Crusaders play the same style of rugby they played in last year's Super Rugby final, where they basically squeezed the Blues? Finlay Christie, arguably the player of the round at halfback, Bowden Barrett at first five. Roger Tuivasa, Sheik, Rico Wani as your midfield. Mark Talia and Caleb Clark on the wing. Stephen Perifeta playing his 50th game for the Blues at fullback. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll run through that Crusaders squads. Bike Yachting commentator Peter Lester on the programme to preview this weekend's round of Sail GP to be staged at Littleton Harbour in Christchurch. Peter grew up and learnt to sail in Littleton, so we'll get a bit of an insight into what makes the conditions down there so tricky. What's the key to being successful in a very difficult piece of water. Hayden Shearman, track and field commentator for last night's 
Uh, Sir Graham Douglas Classic, he'll review that event and give us his thoughts on why athletics is in a really, really good place. Arguably the best place it's been in since the 60s and 70s. We'll continue taking your calls on 0800 150811 and on the Temper Bedpost text machine on 8833. I was just talking to Karen during the uh, break and Karen, you're a little bit like me. You're not really watching Super Rugby, are you? I mean, I take an interest, but it's no longer appointment viewing for me. I don't put off other events because I want to sit down and watch a rugby game, which probably is something I would have done in the 1990s and the early 2000s. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously Crusaders Blues this weekend. Who can go past it, right? It's just a simple Auckland-Canterbury rivalry. And especially here on ECNZ, you know, that's one of our favourite things to do is pick apart that rivalry. So I'll definitely tune in and watch that. But on a week-to-week basis, I don't sort of mind them resting players because I feel like the level of uh, viewership for Super Rugby has dropped drastically. I mean, it was a regular Friday viewing for me and my mates, you know, going down and watch Super Rugby. But we sort of slid away from that and, and I've always been brought up on, on Counties Monaco rugby you mm. know they're, they're, I'm, I'm a big NPC and Heartland man yeah. in terms of my rugby because that's just what I was raised on so look uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of super rugby anymore just because I feel like it's been taken but you, a bit too much in that professional but, uh, you, but you made a good point you said it doesn't really bother me that they're dropping the, and resting these All Blacks because no one's watching. I, I watch the All Blacks. It, it, but it's the chicken and the egg theory, isn't it? Which yep. comes first. I watch but, the All Blacks when the All Blacks are playing, but, but, but I that, won't watch the All Blacks when they play Super Rugby but because that, it's, they're but, half there all the time. But that's it, isn't it? So what, what's actually happened... What's actually happened is that we know New Zealand rugby have pushed us in a direction that we're no longer what I call rugby fans, we've become all-black fans. Yeah. And then what we've got all-black coaches who are now starting to tell us it's okay to lose as long as we win the World Cup. So the next step in that, what I think was a downward slide or some might, what they think is an evolution, is that we're not going to take an interest in the all-blacks, we're going to take an interest in all-blacks at World Cup. So we've reduced the game to once every four years. Not a healthy place to be. Definitely not. Look, I'm, I'm pushing for NPC Heartland promotion relegation system. Let everyone go back, play for your hometown. You know, mm. really rip it up. That's how I'm going to get into it. There's passion, not over a franchise. Yeah. Now, well said. Continue the discussion after one o'clock. You're listening to SENZ.